0: All you have to do is look across Munfield to our basketball arena and you you see how championships are made. Players play, tough players win.
1: It's downtown, breaking with the basket up and it's in! Defense by Michigan State is on the wheel right now. Dawson out to Harris for a three ball. He got it! It's good! It's
0: good! You're listening to Impact Sports Radio and this is the Impact Zone. Your host, Andrew Hayes.
1: Hello. Welcome to the Impact Zone. My name is Andrew Hayes, your host. As usual, here with Blake Froling. Blake, have you been able to stomach all of this March madness so early already in the month before the NCAA tournament even starts?
0: You know, I just think this is the best month of the year, so I can stomach as much as it's willing to throw at me. I'm I'm just loving it so far and it's only gonna get better.
1: It's like having Christmas just Every nine, day of the week. Nine months early. Yeah. And I, I I I'm really glad that that I'm not a gambling person because in the next couple of weeks I would probably lose my shirt betting on, on every single game. Uh, Michigan State did not end the season on what one would call a hot streak, losing three out of the last four, losing to Michigan, Illinois, and Ohio State in very lackluster fashion. Uh, the Illinois game is really one of the biggest head scratchers that, that I can come up with. That game was, uh, I was there sacrificing my spring break spring break plans and I wanted to take a shower after that game. I felt so disgusting the the whole game was just so gross. It was it was not fun to watch and uh and it really it it was one of those that that after that game I tweeted this and and I just wanted to hammer the panic button because after that it was like Okay, Michigan State is in some serious trouble and if they don't pull it together here soon the the national championship hopes that we all had prior to the season are completely and totally out the door and uh and and really I was hoping that they would they they would just go on a hot streak and and blow out Iowa which I mean they beat them by 10 and that was that was a good game. Uh, For Michigan State but then they went to Ohio State and uh, and kind of regressed a little bit but uh, but yeah that was not 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 the end of the season that you want uh, trying to build your tournament resume that's for sure. Well we talked about this a couple podcasts
0: ago when we were talking about Brendan Dawson coming back we were wondering how he was going to mesh with the starters coming back after not having played with them in several weeks and we were kind kind of iffy about it, and obviously it's not gone in the way everybody's hoped it would. Uh, this horrible end of the season, we thought the chemistry would come back at least by now. And we know Coach Izzo and Michigan State, their March team, he's a March coach, uh, you know, January, February, Izzo, May, but or April, May. <laughs> but still, I mean, I think right now the Big Ten tournament is key for them, not just for seating because I don't think it really matters where Michigan state gets seated they're gonna they're gonna give it they're all you know they're gonna perform well, hopefully, but they i I just think this will be a good confidence booster for them. They've got the northwestern coming up after they upset Iowa, which i I think we could have beaten both teams, which we've we've beaten them both twice this year, so I think that helps them out a little bit. But then we'll we'll just see what's going to happen if they can get it together. If Keith Appling can become the Keith Appling that we've uh, known in the first part of the season,
1: that was I think that was one of the most that was one of the scariest parts of the uh, the Ohio State game was the fact that 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 Keith Appling looked fantastic against uh, Iowa. He uh, he really I th- I because I was at the game I didn't get to hear the the uh, hmm. How can I put this in a uh, in a nice way? The wonderful musings of Dick Vitale, but uh, based on all the tweets that I saw, he was uh, he was talking about how Keith Appling's back, baby. I think he said that about ten times. Yeah, I, I am not surprised because that guy has about four words in his vocabulary. But uh, but I mean, he looked good in that game, and and the thing, and mm-hmm. it wasn't. I think one of my favorite things about that, that, uh, Iowa game was before that game, I was talking to one of my friends and, uh, and she goes, I just wish Keith Appling would sit out until he is completely better. And I go, that's not how it works. She goes, what do you mean? I said, he can't sit out and get better at the same time. It's, it's not, that's not the way that it goes. She goes, but isn't, isn't his wrist hurt? I go, it has nothing to do with his wrist at this point. It was 100% his head. And she looked at me funny because she thought I meant a concussion or, or whatever. And uh, and I said, it was 100% mental. And then he went out against Iowa. And I, it was in the first half, he went hard to the hoop. And that was where I thought, okay, Keith is Keith is back where he needs to be. M- mindset wise because that was that was the issue that that Keith Appling faced was not that his wrist was hurt not that he had any physical issues it was the aggressiveness that he had going to the basket before the injury he couldn't sustain because in his head he thought, I don't want to hurt this wrist again. I don't want to fall on it the wrong way. I don't want to have this same issue nagging me for the remainder of the season. And obviously, being the senior and and being in the position of, I might be the first senior to graduate under Tom Izzo to not see a Final Four. I I can't speculate and say that he had that on his mind, but... It's it's probably something that entered his thought process, and you can't blame him for that, uh, in by any stretch. But uh, but I think I think you saw in that Iowa game, he said, and I think part I, I think part of it was the fact that it was senior night. I think he said, "Screw it! If I'm going to get hurt, I'm going to get hurt. But this is my senior night. I'm going to go out playing." as hard as I can and and doing what my team needs me to do. And I think one of my one of the most impressive parts of that game, I think, was when he hit a three after the there was a foul called and he hit a three after the whistle. And the whole in the whole Breslin when it went in, everybody went like ooh Huh. And I was sitting there like, and I, uh, in my head, I went, Oh God, I hope that can continue when the whistle isn't blown before. And, and then he went out and did it. And, and that was, that was the most impressive part to me. And then the upsetting thing was he went out against Ohio State and did the opposite. It looked like he was very tentative and I think a big part of that was the Aaron Kraft factor. And I'm really glad that his 15-year Big Ten career is almost <laughs> over. Um, and I, I tweeted earlier that if they would have lost today, that was a total win-win for me because either, either I picked right for Ohio State or Aaron Kraft's two-decade career is over. Um, but – uh, that, I mean, that goes to show what, what Kraft can do, but, uh, the, <laughs> the other thing, <laughs> and this is really sick, one of my favorite NBA players right now is, is Steph Curry, because of the way that he plays the game, um, I think his, his, uh, his shooting is unbelievable, and, uh, and just the way that he can dish the ball and, and whatnot is, is pretty impressive, but watching that Iowa game, I think, uh, Travis Trice, I mean, Travis Trice went, in, went on a personal eight-o run in that game. That was, that was awesome. He had two threes and a floater as, as the shot clock expired. And it was during that stretch that I went, hmm, I wonder if Travis Trice can develop into this Steph Curry type player that I adore. But, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But you love to see what Trice can do out on the floor. Um... But it the the team looks disjointed right now, and and it doesn't look like anybody. I, Tom Izzo said it in his press conference this week. They don't have a go-to player, which is not good, especially going into the tournament. Um. Uh, I don't who who for for you who's their go-to player.
0: Well, my my head says Gary Harris, but he's not. he doesn't always play like the go-to player. Sure, he's leading the team in scoring, but that doesn't always tell the full story. When you say go-to player, you don't want someone you can just score, but you want someone who can lead your team to victory when they need it. And I think if you have to look at it that way, I think it would be a healthy Keith Appling, or maybe even a hurt Keith Appling. Because I think this season especially, even before he got hurt, he had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because these past couple years maybe he wasn't hitting all of the expectations that were on him, and he was just kind of being taken under the wing of the older player, especially Draymond Green. So now when he's a senior, he's expected to lead, and then he gets hurt and sidelined like this. He's not playing like himself. I think in the clutch, I think he would want the ball in his hands. He wants to be the go-to
1: player, but the only question is can he do it? I think, when I think of a go-to player, I think who's the guy that's going to make the play, that's going to win the game? And I I completely agree with you, and I think it's Keith Appling, because he might not score that game-winning basket, but he will create the shot that will that will score that game-winning basket, whether it be he goes the—because— Izzo has said in the past, he's never coached a quicker guard than, than Keith Appling. Which, when you think about the guards that he's had come through here, is outrageous. When you think about Kalen Lucas, um, Mateen Cleaves, um, Chris Hill, those type of guys, that's that's unbelievable that he classifies him as the quickest guard and you watch him play and it's hard to argue with that stance because when he goes to the hoop he's he's going to create something and it's it's similar to that aaron craft mentality except i think he's a better he's a better pure scorer than aaron craft um and and i i and that's why if if it's if there's ten seconds left in the game, Michigan State's running the play out of bounds in their in in the half court set. I want Keith Appling to have the ball because it's it's not always going to be a shot. And I think that's the difference between him and Gary Harris is Gary Harris wants to score, and Gary Harris is is a scorer. And I don't. Think pass is is one of the one of the main priorities in his mind, which is fine. I, I'm not saying that as a knock against him. I just think that in the in the closing seconds, give Keith Appling the ball. But it's uh I, I've I've been trying to come up with my prediction for for Michigan State in the Big Ten tournament, and I think. I think they have a great shot to make the final. I really do. And and if for no other reason then they have the most to prove because all year it's been, well, as soon as Michigan State gets healthy, they will go on a tear. But they haven't been healthy all year. and And Tom Izzo said once again in his press conference this week, this is one of the most important Big Ten tournaments that they've ever been in because they need this time to produce that cohesiveness and that gel that they need going into the NCAA tournament to make a run and it's it's not going to be easy because you're you're basically trying to develop a team in a in a very very high pressure situation which can either which will either really really hurt your team or it's going to make them so much better going into the ncaa tournament because they've they've been put to the fire they've been put to the flames they've been it's it's win or go home and and they're trying to to make the best of the situation that they have and uh and And I think it will be it will either be a massive massive benefit or or really a huge detriment to the team.
0: Well, I when you said that they have a good chance to make to the finals, I think you're exactly right. Northwestern, we beat them twice, and the games weren't that close. Then you have the winner of Minnesota and Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, we lost on a buzzer beater shot where Gary Harris shot three for twenty at. Wisconsin. So if you look at that, you think we have a pretty good chance in a neutral court. Hopefully, Harris hits more than three for twenty, and then we're right there in the finals. Probably going to play Michigan again, which I'm still worried about, healthy or not. I I don't know if Michigan is really going to be stopped right now. They're on a roll. They have the uh, coach of the year apparently, according oh, to the media. On the media. Right, and he's done a good job, but. I, th- I think Michigan State does have a good chance to make it to the finals but but yeah I think this will be a good proving ground for them to really get back into the mode the mindset of win or go home because like you said they're just like oh when we get healthy we'll be good well they're running out of time for that to happen and this is a great way to get ready for the big dance and and I like I like it too uh, a lot of the experts recently have been saying that they should get rid of the conference tournament but I don't think that's that's a good idea because one, you get the teams ready for this kind of play if they've had injuries or younger players. Second, you get a lot of teams that are on the bubble that get to move up or get knocked out because of these conference tournaments. So I think this will be very important for Michigan State.
1: I think it, I uh, I think it would be brutal to get rid of the conference tournaments if for no other reason than just pure selfishness. And this week would be so boring without conference <laughs> tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> like uh the The stretch from about five o'clock to six thirty this afternoon was was miserable. I was watching soccer oh like it was like what it, i i couldn't count- i couldn't wrap my mind around the fact that there was no basketball on like just give me something I'm dying here but uh, one thing that I read this uh earlier this week, I think it was on monday uh the uh, the Lansing State Journal, MSU beat writer uh, Graham Couch said that Michigan would be better off losing before the Big Ten finals than making it to the Big Ten finals and losing to Michigan State. Which I think I think that carries a lot of weight because right now Michigan has all of the bragging rights against Michigan State. They beat us. They beat. Michigan State twice this year, and they looked good doing it. I mean, that's. I mean, they were they were playing against a depleted Michigan State team twice, but still, they. I and I have to agree with that. As as weird as it sounds, and and kind of far fetched as it sounds, I think I have to agree with that that statement because I don't think. I think the only thing that Michigan stands to gain from winning the Big Ten tournament is possibly a one seed, and I think that's really an outside chance. I don't think they'll get a one seed even if they do win the Big Ten tournament. I think they're pretty much set at a two seed. Um, If they lose tomorrow, I think they might drop down to a three seed. But um, I think... And so that's why I I really do think that they that they are better off. I mean, just uh, I don't think the Big Ten tournament has a lot of has a lot of uh, has a lot of impact on Michigan's uh, huh, impact uh, Michigan's <laughs> Michigan's seeding in in the NCAA tournament, and the the only thing that's a little upsetting about that is I think Michigan State could be in that in that position if they if they hadn't had to deal with so many injuries. And I know we're gonna talk about that a lot and we're gonna keep talking about that and it's gonna start sounding like an excuse. And as 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 Adrian Payne said, we've had a lot of injuries and a lot of excuses, but it's time to man up close quote. But it's it's a it's a very valid excuse and it's not a fun excuse. I wish, I wish there was something else that we could point at and say, you know. But I mean, outside of injuries, what do you point at? Do you say Tom Izzo didn't do what he needed to do with his bench players? Do you say that the bench players who who are bench players for a reason? Do you say that they didn't step up like they needed to? I I don't understand. I don't think it's an It's definitely an excuse, but I don't think it's an invalid excuse to say Michigan State was not the team that they could have been because of injuries.
0: Well, I think that's exactly right. I mean, just look at the depth of their bench. A lot of guys that got a lot of minutes because of these injuries. I mean, in the uh, game against Illinois, the second-leading scorer uh, was was, um, I'm drawing a blank here. But anyway, huh. <laughs> no. Gavin Schilling, there we go. When did you think that Schilling would be the second-leading scorer for any game this season? Never. Never, exactly. So when you say that the the bench doesn't really always come through, yeah, I mean, sometimes if you have Matt Costello, when he comes off the bench, he's, he's these past couple games have been rough for him. He's been pulled out of games a lot and chewed out by Izzo. I mean, Gaona, we thought he was going to be a solid backup, and where has he been? Uh, but but I think um, with the injuries to the backcourt, Alvin Ellis has done a solid job. As When he's gotten to play as a true freshman, a lot of people thought he was going to get redshirted too, but he decided not to. So I think that's going to help him in the coming, coming years here. And then Kenny Kaminsky, uh, redshirt freshman, he's been great at times and he's been a huge question mark at times as well. So I I th- I think the bench has done okay, maybe a little bit disappointing, but I think the stars of that would be Travis Trice, the redeeming factor. I think he's number 1 and number 2 in the Big 10 in three-point shooting and he's just he's just given I would say he gives Keith Ampling a break physically and mentally because he doesn't have to carry the team for 40 minutes at that point guard position he doesn't have to worry about a drop off if he has to go out for a breather you know trice just carries the load without you know missing a beat really and he's i think he's you said he was top 3 in the assist to turnover ratio too
1: which is hugely important he's yeah he's uh he's top he's actually top 2 in the uh in the assist turnover ratio for the team um uh, Keith Appling being being numero uno um but it's uh i think uh I think trice is when you think about see i i think as as bad as Michigan state has looked during the regular season and as 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 many question marks as there are, I really really think. That if they can get this this cohesiveness and just because basketball is it's so important especially at this level you have to know where your teammates are going to be before they're there it's it's the same thing as an NFL quarterback you can't throw it to the receiver you have to throw it to you have to throw them open basically and that's the same way for basketball you can't you can't hope you can't have your teammate there and then throw it to him. You have to know where your teammate's going to be before you throw it to him. And I think that's what, that's the the number one thing that Michigan State is missing right now is these these guys don't necessarily know where everybody's going to be, and and Brandon Dawson I think is is one of the biggest question marks for that just because he was out for so long, and and guys don't entirely know where you know that they, they know where he they've learned to play without him and and that's the issue is these guys have learned to play without certain players and and it's uh it's tough to to get back into that into their roles that they that they were in before all of the injuries arose um this week the uh, Michigan State team awards came out um the team MVP based on uh media and uh, the the only category that was left up to media and team was team MVP and that was Gary Harris. I don't I th- I don't think there's there can be an argument for that just because he was really the only guy who had limited injuries and played the most time and sustained i mean he led the team in points per game so that's that's what most people are going to look at and also he's first team all big 10 defensively um i mean he's big 10 all defensive team because they only have one of those but um but that's i don't think there's any way to argue against that um the best defensive player was once again Gary Harris and Brandon Dawson. Um, the glue and guts award, which I just I guess means just the nastiest dude on the team, uh, was a tie between Brandon Dawson and Keith Appling. The uh, chairman of the boards award, which is rebounds, Brandon Dawson, Adrian Payne, and Denzel Valentine. Uh, the unsung player was Denzel Valentine. I I think Denzel Valentine is one of the people that we all take for granted on this team.
0: I, th- I think that's true, too. I mean, we were just looking at his stats, and he's the good assist-to-turnover ratio. And he also did a great job, along with Travis Trice, of, er, of filling in in that backcourt. He had a couple games stretch where those two combined for about 16 assists and maybe one turnover. So he did a great job filling in. He can score when he needs to. Sometimes he can be a little out of control. But I think Izzo can rein him in, hopefully, because he's going to be the one that's going to be counted on next year because everybody's going to be leaving, and he's going to be the star of the team, basically.
1: I think he has... I think he and Trice are going to be a lot of fun to watch next year because Valentine makes plays, and... And we've talked about this before, that whenever we look at stats for Michigan State, the first thing we look at is how many turnovers did Denzel Valentine have. And that's a shame because because we did that, we forget about the fact that this guy has a lot of assists and he makes a lot of plays and he scores at a decent rate. He, uh, he averaged just uh, he averaged about eight and a half points a game, which and and that's off the bench for most of the season um and and so that's why he and i think i I see him as the captain next year i I think it it might be called captains between him and trice because trice is a fantastic decision maker and the guy knows how to play the game and he uh every time he steps on the basketball court i'm excited i i, I really think he's 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 going to be fantastic heading into next year um the uh it's but uh it's it's tough to uh we don't want to we don't want to look too far ahead because we still have a lot of games to play here um, um yeah i hope i hope we have a lot of games to play um g- moving on to the big 10 awards first team all big 10 was i i don't i i i really agreed with with all of the choices for this it was uh Roy Devin Marble for Iowa, Nick Stauskas from Michigan, he was a unanimous decision, Gary Harris from Michigan State, Teron Pettaway for Nebraska, and Frank Kaminsky from Wisconsin. It's, it's hard to argue with any of those. And I think those
0: are all phenomenal players, and I'm really glad that Pettaway made it too because I think he was a guy kind of flying under the radar coming into the season, and he was one of the main reasons why Nebraska went from a nothing team, picked bottom, bottom third at best, to finish in the season now they're on the verge of making the tournament
1: uh well we'll get to this in a second or in a little bit because i i don't want to jump too far ahead um but i uh i really really hope that nebraska makes the tournament um and i think it's going to require a uh a an, a, an appearance in the uh in the big 10 finals but uh but you look at that team, it's it's really impressive uh, what they've done considering that's not considered a, a basketball school. And they've been in the Big Ten for, what, four years, four or five years? And for them to have progressed this quickly is, is very impressive. And we've seen in the past how much um, – Reputation plays into the selection committee's decisions, and and I hope that that Nebraska's uh, Nebraska's reputation before they entered the Big Ten. I I really do hope that that the selection committee looks at all of their their accomplishments in the past couple of years and just how far they've come and and realized that this is a good team, and, and Tim Miles has this team moving in the right direction. Um, it's uh, They're a fun team to watch. They really are, even when they are beating the Michigan State Spartans. Um, second team, All-Big Ten, was uh, Yogi Ferrell, Karis Levert, much to uh, Joe Rexroad's chagrin, Lavert didn't make first team All Big Ten. Adrian Payne made second team as well. Aaron Kraft, DJ Newbill for Penn State. That's uh, that's a pretty big deal for uh, for Newbill to be on a on a bad bad Penn State team and still uh, and still make second team All Big Ten. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. And if uh, and I I knew that Nick Stauskas was going to be player of the year in, in the Big Ten. I, I don't think there's anybody who can even hold a flame to that because Nick Stauskas played out of his mind this year. I don't think anybody thought he was going to have the kind of year that he had. And he was at times, and I think especially in that first game against Michigan State, he was unguardable.
0: Well, he he progressed a lot from last year. When he was a freshman last year, he was more of just a, a spot-up shooter, but now this year, especially having to shoulder more of the scoring load, uh, he's he's done a really good job of learning to, to drive to the basket, so now teams can't just guard him really close at the top of the key. They have to watch out for that drive as well, and that's really helped his offensive game, and when he gets hot, he's, he's the top five, if not the best shooter in the NCAA. It's just insane, and... I don't know if you've seen. He's posted videos of him going home and making sixty threes in a row, and you know that's just the kind of guy he is, and he's he's got a swagger to him. So once he gets hot, he's going to stay hot, no matter what you throw at him, no matter where he is. I mean, he did it in one of the most hostile environments in the nation when he came to Michigan State. So I think well deserving of the Big Ten Player of the Year. And if uh, Doug McDermott wasn't playing like he is right now, he'd be in a strong candidate for Naismith Player
1: of the Year. Not now that you've brought that up, is there, is there an argument for anybody other than Doug McDermott no. for, for Player of the Year? No. It blows my mind that there is even a discussion. I think you look at what Doug McDermott has done, and he's, he's a machine. And especially considering what a, I read this on a blog, I think it was this week, the guy defines dorky looking (laughs) and that's not, that's not being derogatory but you look at him and there is no chance you think this guy is going to absolutely tear it up on the basketball court.
0: Well, you we saw Sports Illustrated did the new cover uh going back to modeling him with Larry Bird yeah. and you look at him he's he's he looked pretty dorky back in his day too. So, and look how he turned out. But I mean
1: that's uh I think that's part of the uh part of the allure of Doug McBuckets that uh that you just would never expect it in a million years that that he uh that he has that that ability and and if he's not the player of the year then i think that everybody in in the media and uh and anybody who votes on that needs to needs to have their vote revoked um the the one other thing that that i the one thing from the Big 10 Awards that I had a major major issue with was coach of the year. And the Big 10 coaches selected uh Tim Miles, Nebraska's head coach, and the media selected uh John Beilein. Now uh here here's what I don't understand. If if the media is just going to vote for the best the the best team the team who wins the big 10 if that's going to be the coach of the year then then don't let the media vote that the, that then just give them that and then let the coaches vote on on coach of the year and and that's your and just have that be the award for coaches selection for coach of the year because We talked about this before we went on on air. When I think of coach of the year, whether it be NCAA, Big Ten, NBA, MLB, any sport, I want the guy who did the most with the least. And I think Tim Miles did that. And because nobody picked Nebraska to be even competitive this year.
0: Cellar dwellers. I mean, yeah, and you're exactly right. And the Michigan fans will say, well, we didn't have Mitch McGarry, who could have been the Big Ten Player of the Year. We don't know. We saw how awesome he was in the tournament last year. So that's their main argument, is he made Michigan the, the best team in the Big Ten without the best player possibly in the Big Ten. But I think if you look at Nebraska, who did they have coming into the season that was good I mean Michigan has a great supporting cast around McGarry I mean Nick Stauskas won the player of the year so I I think he did have a lot more riding with him and the expectations were a lot higher too I mean he just took him to the national championship game so to say that you know he overcame overcame all these obstacles and he earned the coach of the year I kind of see where you're coming from and I do think that Tim Miles is more deserving
1: and that and this is not because he coaches at Michigan, I, I want to make that very clear. If if Michigan let's let's say Michigan State had lost Brandon Dawson at the beginning of the year for the entire season, if he had if he had sat out the entire year and then Michigan and nobody else had had any injuries and Michigan State won the Big Ten regular season title, I don't think Tom Izzo deserves to be coach of the year because his team is still stacked. And and granted. Um, Beeline got outstanding contributions from uh Walton, and Lavert played a a whole lot better than anybody I think thought he was going to um but i I just don't understand how a team can go to the national championship one year. And then the next year, that coach is considered a genius because his preseason All-American pick got injured and his team still somehow won the conference. I I, I just don't see, and I think a big part of it is, I don't have a lot of respect for Mitch McGarry. And that's not, when once again, it's not because he plays for Michigan. I just haven't seen where he is that dominant. I don't think he's the type of guy who can just take over a game and part of that is because he's a big man but I don't see him as I don't think Michigan is a whole lot better with him um granted he's a huge improvement over Morgan because um he knows he uh, he knows how to play defense and Jordan Morgan has absolutely no idea how to play defense but I I I just don't see it, and I think I, w- I was watching the the awards as they were announced, and uh, and I I really I really appreciated John Lime because as soon as as soon as they started to interview him about the award, he said, "This is not my award." Tim Miles did an outstanding job with his team and I respected the hell out of that because for him to to instantly put it on the other guy who who you know and because he said that I would assume that Jim Beeline or John Beeline Jesus uh I would assume that John Beeline voted for Tim Miles as coach of the year in the Big Ten um I thought that was a classy move and and it was it was very very indicative of of the way the voting should have gone
0: well, I mean the coaches know infinitely more than the media, so you would think that their vote would would hold more weight than the media or just kind of speculate on everything and call themselves experts when they really don't know the ins and outs of the games and being there every day and what it really takes to make a winning basketball team and I think you know, Beeline recognized that Miles did so much with so little, and maybe we didn't. So I I, I think that is definitely a hugely classy move. And I always I always thought Beeline was a classy guy all around. You know, even though I I normally dislike Michigan, whoever's there, I I thought he was a good guy. He came over. He was he was a good coach at West Virginia too, and they made a smart hire. And you know, he's he's showing that you know there are some good guys that go to Michigan. <laughs> Well, yeah, relatively
1: speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um all right. So Big Ten Awards over and done with. We uh it's good to see uh good to see Gary Harris win that and uh Adrian Payne second team. You wonder what uh what could have happened with him. Keith Appling was an honorable mention along with Denzel Valentine, which I think is impressive for Valentine and something to hang his hat on and uh and definitely I would expect him to be a first team next year um you wonder what would happen with Appling and uh, and Payne if they had been if they had been healthy for the entire season but uh the big ten uh, tournament conference tournament started this uh today this afternoon and uh started off with a bang and I don't know how in the world I went three and one on my picks today i I thought, th- I, I actually I take that back. I thought for sure I was going to go three and one today, but I didn't think I was going to go three and one with the way that I, th- the way that it happened. Illinois started off the day. That was the n- eight nine matchup. Illinois beat Indiana sixty four fifty four. Um, that's why you can't pick Tom Crean in March ever. No way. Absolutely not. And in my opinion. Tom Crean should be fired after this year.
0: Well, he had a great nucleus of guys. We were talking about this before we came on. he, Will he, Noah Vonley, who was one of the best freshmen in the Big Ten for sure. He
1: was Big Ten freshman. There you year. go.
0: Exactly. My point exactly. And Yogi Ferrell, one of the best guards in the nation. I mean, I mean, yeah, you lost a lot of talent from last year's team. But this is a young squad that has just so much potential just to go 17 and 15 on the season and losing the first round on the Big Ten tournament, not going to make the March Madness. Probably going to make the NIT.
1: I mean, that's that, that's not that's that's inexcusable. I said, I, I texted one of my buddies today um, who goes to Indiana, and I uh, said, "So Tom Crean is for sure fired, right?" And he said he doesn't know because Indiana's administration. In his words, to quote, is abysmal. Um, but I I hadn't thought about this until today. Really, you look at the starting lineup that Tom Crean had last year for his team, and the fact that they didn't make it out of the Sweet Sixteen is borderline unforgivable. I I think that was when the talks should have begun. Tom Crean needs to get out. He can't, I mean, he's not, he's a fantastic recruiter. Don't get me wrong. He he knows how to get talent in there. But once he has that talent in there, he doesn't know how to use it. And that's that's evident in the decisions that he makes in the games. One of the most glaring examples of this is... I was watching a game earlier this year, and I don't know if I've harped on this or not, but he took Noah Vonley out of the game. This was uh, Indiana was playing Wisconsin. He took Noah Vonley out of the game for a shorter, probably, I think the guy was 5'6", or not 5'6", 6'5", 6'6", to guard Frank Kaminsky because Tom Crean was concerned that Noah Vonley was going to be uh, ineffective at guarding Frank Kaminsky uh, on the perimeter. Frank Kaminsky is almost seven feet. So he had this shorter guy on him along the perimeter. And this guy did a decent, I mean, he did a good job guarding him on the perimeter. But why would Frank Kaminsky shoot a jump shot? When he's got a when he's got half a foot on this guy, so he took him to the hole, went up, made the layup, and won. And and I I stood in my apartment and I tweeted this too when it happened. That was the most mind blowing, absolutely insane substitution that I've ever seen in my entire life, and. And I think that right there is a microcosm of everything that Tom Crean does there. If if you give me, or if you give Tom Izzo or um, Mike Shashevsky, or, um, I mean, uh, let's see, Calipari, I think those... If you give them Yogi Farrell and Noah Vonley, and and a solid supporting cast of will she he and uh Troy Williams is a is a good player and so is Stanford Robinson. If you give them that nucleus, just just starting with Vonley and Farrell, they will figure out a way to run an offense that will be productive. But I don't let's see. Today um today Indiana didn't score for the first 6 minutes of the game almost. Wow. That, that that can't that can't happen. And and part of it was the there was a lid on the basket for the first 6 minutes of the game today. But the you can't lose to Illinois in that situation. I don't think, especially when you're effectively playing a home game in Indianapolis. It's uh I don't know. I I think Tom Crean is if he doesn't get fired this year, he has to make some huge moves next year because he is he's definitely on the hot seat after this. Um the other game uh the next game today was uh that wasn't the next game. The next game after that was uh Ohio State Purdue. Oh my goodness, what a game.
0: Mm. Oh, that was that was that was just a fantastic game. Who would have thought that Purdue would give Ohio State such a great matchup? I mean, even though you know Ohio State isn't as good as they were coming into the season, but still Purdue finished the year fifteen and seventeen. Come on. That dead was, last dead in last in the Big Ten. Yeah, there you go. I mean that was that was just fantastic. It shows any given
1: any given day,
0: anything can happen. And that's
1: why I love March. <laughs> I was uh, I was watching that game in class. Sorry, LA. Um, I was watching that game in class, and and me and a couple of the other guys were sticking around for it, and a couple of the other people in class were uh, were watching it on another computer, and uh, and after, if you didn't see it, there was, I thought Ohio State had that game won when they when they had that turnover or when they stole that ball. With like I don't know ten seconds left, and then uh Lenzell Smith jr missed that uh missed the front end of that bonus um to give uh Purdue a shot, and then the uh the always up for debate should you foul up three um that almost backfired and and realistically it probably should have because um. Like I said, I was watching it in class and and uh and one of the girls that was also watching it checked twitter during the before uh, the play happened and because it was streaming, it was a little bit slower than uh than the t v broadcast um she uh she ruined the ending for me which <laughs> which really grinded my gears but uh <laughs> she and even after she said, "Oh God, Ohio State won." Purdue missed that shot. Watching the game, I still watched the final shot, and I still thought that thing was going to go in. It looked so good, and uh, and honest to God, could not believe that uh, Teron Johnson missed that shot because that look was so clean, and and the trajectory, and just the fact that that went off front of the rim was uh, was mind blowing. One thing that was, I'm um, just looking at the numbers for the first time actually right now. How about the three point shooting in this game? Seven percent and twenty percent. Seven percent is that bad? Uh, it's not good. Seven <laughs> percent is is that's that's me. <laughs> uh, I, I shoot seven percent from the three point line. And you give me fourteen shots, I will make approximately seven percent of those shots. And I think I yelled Aaron Kraft's name probably half a dozen times during that game because, God, I just, like I was so excited after Michigan State was done playing Ohio State, I was like, oh, thank God, I never have to watch Aaron Kraft again. And then I forgot about the conference tournament. And it's mind-blowing the way that he plays the game.
0: Oh, he's 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 so good and if any other team he would have been on, he would be great and I wouldn't hate him, but just the way he plays, he's just the fantastic annoying defense. He can shut down your best player. He doesn't have to score to help his team, although he did score 16 points today. I think he averages less than 10. But he's just the way he like facilitates the offense. Although Ohio State was offensively challenged, they probably leaned on him too much to score a little bit at times. He is just the intangibles are just so good. He's way better than what what any stats can show you. And unfortunately, I don't know if that's going to translate to the NBA. I don't think he's going to have much of a shot. But still, he's just he's just such a great guy. He's engaged. He's going to go to med school. You can't hate him, but at the same time can. you can't not hate him.
1: So, I mean, he's he's I just don't know how to describe it. He's infuriating. That's what he is. And he is he's the classic case of if he's not on your team, you hate him. But if he's on your team, you love him. And I can 100% appreciate that because I'm a Chicago Bulls fan, and uh, i I hated Joakim Noah for a very long, long time when he was on Florida. But watching the way that he and I think he is, I think he's very similar to Aaron Craft in that sense. In and this is this is very cliche, and it's one of those those um, those kind of uh, veiled terms that's used. In, uh, in sports in general, is Kraft is surprisingly athletic. And that's usually said for white players because white players aren't supposed to be athletic. And that, that's not, I don't, I don't think anybody could argue that point. But he really is. He plays above what you would expect from him because of his his smarts. And and just the way that he plays the game, and he goes all out all the time, and it is absolutely infuriating to play against. And I, I he he made the difference in that game. He oh, really did,
0: definitely. You know, he's he reminds me of that one kid in gym class that just goes hard all the time. You're just trying to have fun, and he's playing to
1: win. He'll knock you down. I mean,
0: that's just who he reminds me of.
1: He's the guy he's the guy that's guarding you from the free throw line on the other side of half court like bro, just give me an open shot for the love of God. why are you face guarding me on the other side of half court but that's uh that's definitely something you want on your team when you're playing in a game, not necessarily when you're when you're uh when you're in practice, but uh the other game. One of the other games tonight, I, I didn't get a chance to watch. This one uh, was uh, Minnesota Penn State. Minnesota took down Penn State sixty three fifty six. That uh, that put me at three and zero this evening, and I thought I was just for sure gonna coast to a lovely four and zero predictions this evening. Um, I I this was the this was the only game that I really this was. If I was going to go two and two tonight, I really thought this was the game that was going to put me at two and two because I really wanted to pick Penn State, um, but I just I couldn't pull the trigger because Minnesota really has looked good this year, um, but Andre Hollins is a monster. I'm really excited to see what he does in the NBA. Um, but uh, the uh, the biggest surprise of the night and the one that ruined my immaculate predictions was the 14 and 18 six and 12 in the big 10 northwestern wildcats took down the Iowa Hawkeyes 67 62 behind a behind really a, a big game from Trey downs 20 points um I don't think anybody picked that
0: no, I mean, it, it was a stupid game for them to win. What are they going to gain? They're not going to win the Big Ten tournament, so they're not going to get in to the March Madness. They're not going to get into the NIT. What's the point? They're just ruining Iowa's season. <laughs> and And one of the main reasons why. Why Iowa lost is because, I I said this in the article I wrote earlier, Roy Devin Marble is going to carry them wherever they're going to go. He scored 25 points. The rest of the starters, I'm going to read them off for you. Zero points, one point, one point, five points. What are you going to do with that? Not much. Exactly. So, I mean, even going against Northwestern, if you can't get double digits from four other starters combined you're not going to beat anybody, and th- that's why they lost. They can't depend so much on Roy Devin Marwell because then the defense, what are they going to do? They're just going to focus on Marwell and make him give up the ball and make somebody else shoot. And this game, nobody else could really shoot. Uh, 32% from the field, 25% from three. That's atrocious. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's not 14%. It's not 7%, <laughs> but it's, it's still pretty bad. And you're not going to beat anybody, especially anybody in the Big Ten.
1: That's, uh, I mean... I I think Northwestern just made uh just made Michigan State's job a whole lot easier. But uh that's that's a head scratch right there and, and once again I, I I didn't watch most of that game, but uh I I mean that that was the one that I didn't uh, that was the one that if I had to if I had to pick one that would have been my mortal lock for the day was there was no doubt oh iowa was going to beat northwestern but this is why march is magnificent and they call it madness for a reason it's like it, it's like they planned that or something it's <laughs> it's really bizarre and uh and that's why that's why you love this stuff and and i i really don't see moving on to tomorrow or tomorrow or today's, depending on when this podcast gets posted. Um, I, I don't see Michigan state having a big problem with Northwestern, but I've said this before, right before they lost to Nebraska and before they lost to Illinois. So you never know. Um, Dave Sobolewski, the man from, uh, Another guy that I've had to watch since high school. He had a halfway decent night, despite he's been dealing with injuries most of the season. And uh, and for him to put up ten, had three assists, six boards. That's that's a pretty good night from your guards. I uh, God, Northwestern is just a screwy team, and uh, and the fact that they, I think they snuck up on on Iowa. I really do. I don't think uh I don't think Iowa had uh I I think Iowa was kinda peeking forward in the uh in the bracket.
0: And I think they were getting excited to uh try to get a little bit of revenge on Michigan State, kinda get back at them for those two losses and then oh Northwestern forgot that yeah, the the games weren't played on paper. And <laughs> that's all it takes is just one little slip up and there you go. Northwestern beats Iowa.
1: It's uh that's i mean it really is that's the uh that's the beauty of march and uh and like i said uh like i said in uh, in my article you uh this is why uh this is why everybody loves march the way that they do and uh i don't know it's uh, this is this is one thing that i've been that I've been harping on, and I want to get your thoughts on this real quick. I've, it's just been something that I've I've noticed during the games, and it's something that's been talked about recently. How much longer can men's basketball tolerate a 35-second shot clock? Uh,
0: I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know this is not the most reliable source, but Dick Vitale brought it up in one of the games I was watching. Uh, I think it was last week. He was talking about how it's it's getting out of hand, and he wants to bring it. He said proposed thirty second shot clock, which I don't think would make that much of a difference. But at the same time, going to twenty four second shot clock right away would completely change the game, and I don't think the teams would be ready for it. But I think definitely thirty five seconds is way too long right now, and it's just drawing the the games out. You know, just dribbling out the clock for 30 seconds i mean do you really want to watch that i mean it's good to get the pace of play up i mean that's why the nba does it i think when they first came up with the shot clock they 24 seconds wasn't just an arbitrary number they picked they found out the the average number of shots taken and, and the and the time for the game and they made a shot clock so you take one shot every 24 seconds it would make out to that average and with a 35 second shot clock it just makes the games boring sometimes
1: But My- my take on the whole thing is, I was watching the, the Big Ten Women's Tournament last week, um, and a 30-second shot clock makes the game so much more interesting. It Because I think the reason for the extended shot clock in the NCAA is you still want coaches to have that ability to teach their players the fundamentals and and run plays and and do all the things that that is necessary to develop players but i think 30 35 seconds is too long because when when you have a 35 second shot clock if you're down by four or if you're down by let's say six to ten points you have to start following it two and a half minutes which is that's that's so early if you had that thirty-second shot clock, it would be minute and a half, and that would make games. Which is why it blows my mind that, in an attempt to increase scoring and and make the game give the game better pace, um, the NCAA decided to institute the hand-checking rule. Mm. Rather than maybe increasing the number of possessions, I I don't know. Once again, that's another head scratcher from the from the NCAA. You add that to the endless list. Um, it's bizarre, and and I don't understand why why that was the decision that they made rather than looking at the shot clock but I really do think that that's something that needs to change here soon especially with the talent level of guys coming into the into the NCAA from high school you have Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker and guys that are NBA ready but you're teaching them a slower game when I know that the explicit reason for college basketball is not to prepare guys for for the NBA, but on some level, that's what it's for. And, and I don't understand why you would want to slow down a game when by shaving five seconds off of this shot clock, you can make it more exciting and make it faster pace and and really make coaches kind of... Because how many times have we watched Keith Appling dribble the ball right on the other side of half court for 10 seconds before anybody moves? It's boring. And that's not, that's not their fault. If, I mean, if if you're drawing up a college offense, that's exactly what you want to do. Because you don't need 35 seconds to run an offense. You need about 20 and granted, by by having that extended shot clock, you give yourself more options for you know developing plays and whatnot. But and like I said, it it gives coaches a a better opportunity to teach players how to move and and kind of find their teammates. But I just don't understand why why it, I, I I just think thirty five seconds is way too long.
0: I think it's an old, old out of date rule. That needs to be updated with the faster players. They're stronger. They're overall better. And and I think that's exactly right. They need to change that. And going back to that hand-checking rule, the stats say that it has increased scoring, but if they're going for pace of play, going way down, oh, it just kills the flow of the game. Someone's playing good defense. little bit of contact foul right away. Oh, it just it just grinds my gears because then guys have to play off and they're not going to play that good a defense. And I know they do call the hand check rule in the NBA, but still, I mean, it just just kills the flow of the game. Just like Tom Izzo timeouts with a minute left in the half, <laughs> it just it just ruins the flow. You know, the game is going so well, then just that hand check foul, and it's just it, it just bugs me. Uh
1: see I don't I, I don't I don't necessarily have a problem with the hand checking rule I understand it because that's going back to you want these players to get used to playing and um I think Jay Billis talked about I saw a tweet from him earlier this year it makes sense to have the the only reason for hand checking is to impede the progress of the offensive player and and that's not the way the defense is supposed to be played. So I can completely understand that rule, but I think the reasoning behind it is what is so demented and I and I that's what I don't that's what I don't agree with is if you want to increase scoring, why not increase the pace of play? Why enforce this rule that slows down pace of play and makes the game and this is something that that people have argued frequently that the college the the product of college basketball is majorly inferior to the NBA which i have to agree with and and that's not to say and that's not that college basketball is less exciting than the, than the NBA but if you look at purely the play and and the the, the way the game goes the NBA has a better flow and is more entertaining to watch. And part of that is because those guys are so good at scoring, but it's, uh, it's, it's hard to argue with, with the fact that, that the NBA is a better product, polished and more fun to watch than, not necessarily more fun to watch, but, talent talent wise it's more fun to watch than college basketball.
0: Yeah, well a lot of player not a lot of people hate on the NBA for the lack of defense, but I think you're right. It's it's a better game just because I I don't think college basketball really has a chance because of how great the NBA players are. Like the 1% of college players make it to the NBA and then the 5% of the NBA players are the ones that we see every night. So, I mean, it just doesn't really have a chance. But I think college basketball could take a thing or two from the NBA's playbook and improve the game and make it more entertaining for everybody.
1: We're going to wrap up here real quick. But I just want um, anybody who says uh, the NBA doesn't play defense, um, keep in mind, and, and I used to have that, that same opinion, that – yeah, the NBA doesn't play defense, they're just worried about getting up and down the court and putting on a show and blah blah blah. Would if you watch an entire NBA game, would just if you just sit down and watch the it's hard it is especially when you have players like Steph Curry, LeBron James, um Kevin Durant. These guys are so good at what they do. You can't play defense. How do you guard? How do you guard Kevin Durant? He's six eleven and he plays like a point guard. There's no way to guard that. It's impossible. And that's why the notion of people equate: Oh my God, the NBA, the the scores in the NBA are so much higher. So, and these guys make all these shots. Therefore, the defense has to be bad. That is the wrong way to look at it, because that's not the way that it is. It's not that the defense isn't played. You can't guard some of these guys. That's the way that it is. And it's, I mean, that's what happens when your job is to practice jump shots. And that's the difference between the NCAA and the NBA, in my mind, is the the kids in the NCAA, they have to go to school and but when you're in the n b a your options are either i'm gonna go out or i'm 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 gonna sit at home and play xbox i'm gonna go out with my boys or i'm gonna practice my jump shot so that I can be an outstanding athlete you, there you give me those three options, and i'm mm, six out of ten times i'm gonna go <laughs> practice my- i'm gonna go practice my jump shot. But it's i mean that's that's the way that it is, and uh so that uh that'll do it for the for the impact is zone this week. My name is Andrew Hayes with Blake Froling. follow me on twitter at impact uh not impact is zone Hayes I think that's the third week in a row that I've screwed up my own <laughs> stinking twitter handle <laughs> I am at is zone Hayes twenty two I will give you all of my opinions on anything that I see on the television and follow Blake Froling at? At B. froling. I've spelled it about five times now, so you should get it by now. Uh, there we go. Uh, so, uh, this is The Impact Is Zone. Thank you for listening. We will see you once, s- or you'll hear from us again on Sunday or Monday. We're going to break down Selection Sunday and uh, and go through all of the picks. And uh, thanks for listening. And go green.